Praise God. Woo! What a good God we serve. All right, praise the Lord. We have uh, this year, uh, through our services, of uh, the theme, the overall theme anyway, has uh, a year of empowerment, a year of growth and development. Amen. And so uh, every week coming at it from different angles and stuff. And there were some things that I shared last week that I'm going to maybe just pick up there and then spin off into what we have for you today. Um, so we are, let's, uh, Kelly, go ahead and put uh, Jeremiah 29 up there, if you would, a uh, verse that we know, and a lot of people, it's even, uh, you know, one of their fun verses, maybe they have on their refrigerator or somewhere or on their mirror or something, you know, and it's definitely a good one, praise God, and it says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now, how many know God's thinking? Come on now. Do you know God has thoughts? I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, sound weird or nothing, but, you know, sometimes I think we go along and we just, we don't realize, you know, God's thinking things too, you know. So what's God thinking? Amen. He, the Word says He has thoughts towards you. Praise God. Well, that's good. Well, maybe some of you might think, well, I don't know, Pastor. You just don't know. You know, His thoughts toward me might not be good. Well, I guarantee you that His thoughts towards you are good. The Word says this, amen, thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil. Amen? Thoughts of peace. Everybody say peace. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of times, you know, you get that word, uh, and some people, you know, might start, maybe their first thought would be a, a Volkswagen bug with a, a flower painted on it or something, and, and uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe not. But anyway, uh, maybe that's just kind of where I came from. Not that I was ever driving one of those, but I just, you know, when I was younger, that's kind of just seemed to, uh, I'll shut up. I'm just digging me a hole. Anyway, um, praise the Lord. So anyway, but how many know it's not referring to that? That word there, peace, is uh, uh, the Hebrew word shalom, amen? Uh, in fact, in certain parts of the world, that's how they address each other. They go shalom, shalom, and usually write back shalom, shalom, amen? And what it means is wholeness or completeness, everything working, nothing missing, nothing broken, every need met, praise God. It's a pretty inclusive word, amen? And so this word, when they, when they greet each other, that's what they do. They say, Everything, everything's working in your life, Rick. Everything's going like it should. Nothing missing, nothing broken, praise God. Everything whole, everything complete. And you reply back, same thing, brother. Everything working, everything whole, everything going the way it should. That's how they greet each other. Now, in America, we do a little different. We go, how you doing? And usually, depending on who you're talking to, they might say, how much time you got, right? And we might go, whoops, I wish I wouldn't ask. Come on, somebody, on some cases, not always. Not that I'm trying to be mean. That's not, that's not the point, uh, you know, because we, uh, you know, we, we want you to, uh, to know that, you know, we, we care and, and we have, uh, you know, our thoughts are for you too, praise the Lord. But in certain parts of the world, they don't, they don't give each other an opportunity about, you know, any kind of, you know, negative life or anything like that. They just tell each other how they are. That's how you are. And they just agree. Amen. Amen. Shalom, shalom. So his thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Everybody say, no evil. No evil. Hallelujah. Now, I thought, you know, just in case, we didn't last time because we did read this last week, uh, but the word evil here, here's what this word evil means. This is just the Hebrew word for it. It means failure, trouble, sorrow, adversity, calamity, distress, affliction, misery, and displeasure. 
That's what that word means, that word evil. So basically, everything you could think of being evil is what it includes. So his thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace. Hello, not of failure, not of trouble, not of sorrow or adversity, calamity, distress, affliction, misery, or displeasure. His thoughts are never that towards you. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Come on, sister. Amen. Yeah, I know somebody over there will get on it. Come on now. Uh, now, how many know his thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil, right? To give you a future. To give you a future. God always wants you to have a good future. Praise God. A future that's working, a future, praise God, that should be the way it is. And of hope, which means an expected end, praise God. In other words, it should end the way you want it to end, praise God. Woo! That's God's thoughts towards you. Amen? Now, how many know you're going to have to believe more? This is kind of what we spun off of last week. Amen? To kind of spin us into this week. How many know you're going to have to believe more in your God-given future than you do of your past. Because we have a tendency to identify with our past. Amen. We have a tendency to identify with our yesterday, to identify with our mistake, our circumstance, or whatever. We are to believe more in our God-given future than we do our past. We should believe more in God's ability to move us forward than the enemy's ability to hold us back. We should believe more in God's ability to complete us than the enemy's, uh, you know, task to somehow, uh, you know, cave it or shipwreck you or whatever else. Amen. Believe more in what God's trying to do in your life. And last week we talked about, amen, believing what he says about us. Are you still with me? If the Bible says you're more than a conqueror, then guess what? What? You're more than a conqueror? Really? Yeah. Uh, you, the, world says it's, or the Bible says you're a world overcomer. The Bible says you're redeemed. You're forgiven. Amen. The Bible says, praise God, that you're a new creation in Christ. The Bible says that you are an ambassador for the Lord. Praise God. The Word says, praise God, you're the righteousness of God. You're already in right standing with God. Amen. That ain't something you're trying to earn. You're already there. Now the enemy will try to trick you up and somehow deceive you and think you that it's not there and you have to work for it and try to earn it and all that kind of stuff. And the whole time the Father says, my thoughts are not thoughts of evil. My thoughts are thoughts of peace. I just can't get my people to believe it. I just can't get people to receive it. I'm trying to give them a future and they're too busy hanging on to their past. They'd rather carry that backpack of all that mess around. Come on, somebody. Instead of move forward in what I have for them. Are you still with me? I mean, come on. All you got to do is for just a split second, just think about what Jesus did for you. I mean, the Father, for, the, for God's soul, what? Love the world. I mean, you mean that stinker too? Absolutely that stinker too. And there's a few stinkers. There's a few in the room. Smile, we're big at your neighbors. I sure hope it ain't you. Come on now. We've all been in that mess. Come on. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is. 
Amen. You just have to understand Jesus, uh, probably the Father, so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, including you, smile real big at your neighbor and say, you know. Hallelujah. Including you. Amen. If you receive him, amen. The word says you can be born again, as the Bible says, praise God, a new creation in Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, all you have to do is go to a football game and look in the end zone and see John 3.16 and get saved. Even in a football game. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. We have to believe more in what he says about us than our circumstance says about us. We have to believe more in what he says about us than our circumstance says about us. Here's a statement for you before we head into what we got to do here. Never confuse where you are at with who you are in Christ. Never confuse where you're at with who you are. All right? You can't do that because it's real easy to limit yourself. You have to understand that if you will find out who you are, you'll probably change where you're at. Are you with me? So with that said today, we're going to talk about renewing the mind. All right? The importance of renewing our mind, praise God. And of course, it's going to have to start where we aim our mind. Amen. So we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 is where we'll start today. Are you doing good today? Are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? I'm glad you came out. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Smile real big at your neighbor. Say, now let's get all this, okay? Praise the Lord. Okay, Colossians 3, we're going to read verse 1 and 2. Uh, it says this, if then you were raised with Christ. In other words, if you've made Jesus Lord of your life. Is there anybody in here who has made Jesus Lord of their life? Yeah. That's, that's not every hand, so let's see. Do I need to do an altar call right now? All right, is there anybody in here who's been raised up with Christ that are born again, know the Lord, love the Lord, praise the Lord? Hallelujah. All right, praise God. So if then you were raised with Christ, it says then we have a task to do. Here's our task. Seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. There's higher things. Go for the higher things. You know, we sang a song about, He'll take you higher and higher and higher. Never be the same. Never be the same. How many believe that? Yes. Well, Pastor, I don't believe that. I just thought that was a cool song to sing. I kind of like it. But how many believe it? Yes. See, He wants to take you higher. Amen. All right, so the only way you're going to go higher is you're going to have to set your mind on higher things. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, verse 2. And he, he basically, he kind of condenses it and makes it real simple. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, Pastor, uh, you know, how can you not? I mean, you, I, you know, I live on planet Earth. I got things to do on planet Earth. I have a family. I have a job. I've got to pay bills. I got to go this. I got to go to church. I mean, all these things are on planet Earth. How can I, how can I conduct life and not put my mind on things of this Earth? Sounds valid, doesn't it? Well, he's not ignoring that you got things to get done on Earth. He just says if you set your mind on higher things, the things on this Earth will get easier. See, a lot of times we got, we're too busy with our minds set on things above. We forget about the thing, or pardon me, set on things of the earth. We forget about those things that are set above, the higher things. And there's all kinds of things that the Word talks about that are the higher things in God. The one, of course, being the Word of God. I mean, that's pretty key. You're going to have to, somewhere along the line, set your mind on His Word. 
All seven of you. Let's try that again. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to start setting your mind on His Word. Amen. You know, Trudy talked about the importance. You know, we're, we're just asking you to read a chapter a day. Just, just read a chapter a day. Just a, you'd be amazed. Just a few minutes a day, putting the Word inside. Amen. And how all of a sudden, amen, it starts putting your mind on things above. Amen. And all of a sudden, it begins a shift and change and all kinds of stuff begins to happen. Amen. How about coming into the house of God? How about coming in the house of God? Yeah. Amen. You know, sometimes just by coming in the house of God, all that begins to happen is it just starts, it just allows you to start setting your mind on higher things. Amen. You know, I always like to refer to the house of God as a decontamination station. Amen. You kind of come in the door and come in with those suits on. You know. And all it is, sometimes, you know, you're out in the world and you got, you know, everything's gone trying to bombard your thinking and everything's out there. And you come in the house of God, it's like, oh, just helps get your mind on things above. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, set your mind on things above. All right. So what does it mean to set your mind on things above? Well, the Greek word, phronio, okay, is the Greek word, and it just means to exercise, entertain, or interest the mind. To literally means to aim your mind, to set the affections. In other words, you determine, amen, where you set or aim your mind. You determine that, amen. That's up to you and me. I mean, there are times that I wish, you know, uh, you know, that I, you know, well, probably all of us that somewhere along the line wish, you know, God would just make me think on higher things, you know. And sometimes as a pastor, I really wish you had a little lockdown thing. I could just, <laughs> now they're thinking on right stuff. I would kind of wash your brain. That'd be fun. No, actually, probably wouldn't. But anyway, the point is, amen, uh, we just sometimes wish it would be that simple. But it, it, to, all, to be honest, it's not really complicated. It's just, you know, you got to be consistent with these kind of things. You know, really, it's not complex. It's just you got to be willing just to do it. You know, when you talk about a few minutes here and a few minutes there, you know, I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is set my attention on Him. Amen. We try to do that before we lay down at night, set our attention on Him through the course of a day, every now and then acknowledge the Lord, and, you know, just every now and then just try to set our mind in the right place. Amen. It's not complex, but it, but it has to be constant. Amen. Uh, because the enemy is constantly trying to uh, control your, your, your attention, Right? Uh, there's everything going on, uh, you know, that just tries to consume your attention, consume, uh, you know, your mind. Amen. It's just, it is, it's just out there. And so you have to determine, you know, okay, uh, you know, even though all this is going on, I purpose to set my attention on Him, to set my mind on Him, praise God. Amen. 
And you'd be amazed what begins to happen. And that's the that's thing we're going to talk about today, that process that begins to happen. So with that said, we're going to shift into Romans 12. Go ahead and put that up there, Romans 12. Uh, kind of jumping in here in the middle just for sake of time. It says this, verse 2, Do not be conformed or adapted to this world. Now listen, that's not hard to do. I mean, all you got to do is just do nothing. If you do nothing, you're automatically conforming. Are you still with me? Uh, you know, somebody said, well, well I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't love the world. I love God. Well, praise the Lord. But if you do nothing, you automatically conform. And that's sometimes a problem. We're just conforming or adapting to the world. To the world what? Well, the world's system, the world's way of thinking. Amen. Amen. We start pretty soon, we start thinking like they think and talking like they talk and act like they act. Come on now. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, look at your neighbor and say, we're not going to be conformed to the world. <laughs> but it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discern what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, God wants you to know these things. Amen. But it comes... Amen. It says there is some transformation that happens by a thing called renewing of the mind. Now, this word transformation, metamorphio, okay, which is where we get our word metamorphosis, okay, which means uh, like uh, the process of a, uh, of a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's metamorphosis. It's one thing and all of a sudden becomes another thing, right? A tadpole to a frog is metamorphosis. Amen. So it's one thing, and now all of a sudden it's something completely different. So he says there is a transforming, a metamorphosis that can happen in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, we could use a little of that. Amen. A little, little bit of metamorphosis, all right? A little bit of transformation, a little bit of changing. Amen. But it says it happens by something. It happens by the renewing of your mind. That's how it happens, by where you're going to set your mind. Now, this word renewing means to renovate, to reconstruct, amen. Uh, you know, uh, a renovation, if you ever, anybody have ever been involved in a renovation, uh, we've pretty much every house I've, I've, I've owned, we've done some kind of renovating here or there, done something uh, different. And, and when you start thinking about renovation, uh, you know, it isn't just, you know, just one day you get up and it's all different. It, it, it actually started with, you know, you had to tear something out. Tear something out. Come on. Now, your, your, your spirit, man, was instantly changed the minute you made Jesus Lord of your life. But then there's this process thing, you know, that uh, i got to change how I think now. Right? And uh, so this renewing, this renovation, so it's about taking out something and then you start putting in something new so that when it's all done, it looks restored or new or different, praise God. So we're talking about a renewing of the mind. Well, there's never going to be a renewing of the mind if we don't learn to aim our mind. Are you still with me? Like I said, that's, uh, you know, we just wish God would just, you know, open up the skull and, and renovate it. Just get it done while I'm sleeping. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? I could just be completely different, you know, when I get up in the morning and just all, you know. But ain't how it works. Amen. You're inside here. You're all new. You're a new creation. The price was paid. But this thing up here now, we got a process. Amen. We got to start changing it. 
Ephesians 4, and I believe it's verse 23. It talks about actually through this whole text, and if I had time, I'd have probably went into more of this text, uh, but it talks about you know, letting go of the old man, putting on the new man, but it says being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, most, uh, most of your scholars believe he's talking about the spirit of your mind. He's talking about literally the deep or the core of your mind, dealing like even as far down deep as the subconscious realm. Because you know as well as I do, we, we're creatures of habit. Right? We are. And we have a tendency to kind of always run down the same road and think the same way. And so it takes a little bit of a process to change that. Is that right? All right, so sometimes deep down deep, we want that change. It says be renewed, that same word, literally in the, in the Greek, it says be being renewed. In other words, an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-time thing. This is an ongoing thing that has to happen. So you begin to, you begin to think different. So we can renovate that thing, Amen. Pull that other wall out. Put in a new one. Pull that other uh, mess out. Get those ugly cabinets out. Let's put in some new ones. Praise God. It takes, some, it takes a little bit of time. But you, but you have to be willing to aim your mind. You have to be willing to take the time to do that. Are you still with me? Put the verse up there, if you will, uh, Kelly. The 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. It was one last week we quoted, but really didn't, didn't really pull it up and so today I want to do that it just says this and in context what you got going on in chapter 3 the whole chapter is dealing with the difference really of the old covenant new covenant uh, Moses and Jesus and really the uh, you know the how things parallel and how things are different it kind of brings that whole thing out so it says we we all with an unveiled face and of course in context talking about something with Moses there but he's talking about us with an unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and then we're being transformed or metamorphosized into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, in context, he's talking about this new covenant, this word. Come on, somebody. And so he calls it a mirror. So he says this mirror. So he says, if I can just get you to look in the right mirror, I can begin to change you. If you would just aim your thinking right here and look into this mirror. Come on, somebody. Some of you spend a lot of time in the bathroom mirror. Some of you need to spend a little more time in the bathroom. Never mind, I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> Come on now. Now, we're not talking about a bathroom mirror, but we are talking about this mirror, right? Come on, right? And if it says here, if you will begin to put your face in this, it says you begin to see a thing called the glory of the Lord. And it says, and you begin to be transformed into that image. What you find out in here is who you are. Who you really are is in here. Somebody say, I'm just trying to find myself. Well, then open the Bible. Well, I'm just trying, you know, trying to figure out my life. I just don't know. Well, open the Bible. Amen. Especially in the new covenant, all that Jesus is, the price that he paid under a new covenant, a better covenant, established on better promises. As you begin to look at it, you go, "Woo, doggy, I've been redeemed. I've been purchased. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm forgiven. Woo, I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm a new creation. I'm a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah. I'm being led into all triumph. Hallelujah. I have the victory already given. Whoa, my gosh, you can't get better than that. Well, anyway, it excites me. 
Amen. When I found out who I was, amen, because I thought I was something else. And everybody else agreed with it. Are you hearing me? So when I found out I'm something different, that's pretty good news to me. Amen. So I thought, you know what? Uh, you know, I mean, he, you know, he paid quite a price to make sure that this word gets into my hands. So, uh, you know, I thought, we might as well believe it. I said, we might as well believe it. Hallelujah. So anyway, it says that the more you put your face in that mirror, it says that glory that you're seeing in there, you begin to be transformed or metamorphosized into that same image. And it says this, from glory to glory, which means it's just, it's just a process. That the more you do it, the more it changes you. Pretty soon you start looking different. Pretty soon everything about you begins to shift and change. Amen. And then it says, praise God, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, it's a work of the Spirit. It ain't something that you're straining at and trying to make it happen. It's like, you know, a lot of Christians, you know, uh, I'm trying to serve God. Uh, right? Baptizing lemon juice, you know, and right all shriveled up like a prune, you know, trying to, trying to serve God. If I, if I can just make it, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come, get me out. I know it's none of you. All those people watching by internet. No, we've all been in them places. Straining and trying to struggle at being the child of God we're already called to be. We already have. Amen. It's already our identity. But if we don't ever aim our mind in the Word of God, you ain't never going to find that out. And you're going to strain and struggle, and one day you're going to get to heaven. I think that was one of the statements I made last week. The last thing I want is you to get to heaven and go, what? I could have had all this? What? Oh, man. I didn't know. He says, you should have listened to Pastor Jerry. In fact, I am sure of it. He is going to say, let me give you an instant replay. <laughs> he said, you're going to remember, oh, that's right, I was there. <laughs> well, anyway, hallelujah. <laughs> All right, praise God. Romans, back to Romans, amen. Let's go to Romans 8 this time, hallelujah. Have I ever told you? How much I love Romans 8. I probably never tell you that, but it's good to know that about your pastor. Hallelujah. Almost every sermon I've ever preached, I could probably pull a verse out of Romans 8 that'll fit it. Well, anyway. All right, Romans 8, 5, okay, says this. For those who live according to the flesh or live by the flesh or, you know, live in accordance to or thinking like, and the word flesh just means natural, natural thinking, worldly thinking, earthly thinking, how you want to put it. Uh, it says that the reason they live that way is because they've set their minds on the things of the flesh. Remember that word of conform? See, if you just, you just go along, and if, uh, if all you ever do is set your mind on just how everything is around, then pretty soon you just conform to that. Pretty soon you think like they think, act like they act, talk like they talk. Come on. Even if you've said, I'm never going to do that again. 
Well, if you don't keep setting your mind on the right thing, it's just a matter of time, and pretty soon you're now walking according to what, the way they do it because that's what you set your mind on. Still with me? So it says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit or by the Spirit or according to, in other words, following the Spirit, how you want to put it, amen, those who live according to the Spirit, the why? Well, because they've set their mind. That's the implication that they've set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Amen. So just by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, just by setting your mind, amen, on the things, like, for instance, the Word of God, just by setting your mind on that, all of a sudden, there's a renovation that goes on. In fact, if you listen real quiet, you can literally hear nails being pulled out of a wall. Somebody with a sledge up there bashing in an old wall. Some of you, never mind, I'll leave that alone. If you listen long enough, pretty soon you hear something being rebuilt up there. And as that's renovated, then there's a metamorphosis that begins to happen in your life. Because if you can change this, it'll change everything around you. And that's amazing. Literally does. If you begin to believe what it says about here, all of a sudden it changes where you're at. It changes your surroundings. Are you still with me? All right, let's look at something here. Verse uh, 6, put that up there. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, naturally minded, worldly minded, okay? It says it's death, ruin, destruction. That's where it ends. That's the, that's the end of that street, okay? So there's a dead end street. You with me? But... To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, amen. So in other words, at the end of that street is a thing called life. And that word there is zoe life. That's the Greek word. And it just means abundant life, the life of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Literally means absolute life. No hint of dark. In God, true light. Amen. Praise God. The word peace, uh, this is, of course, being the new covenant. Irene is the Greek word. And that word means the same thing that shalom means in the old covenant. Amen. Complete, whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything functioning, everything in order. So if we will just be spiritually minded, begin to set our mind on this, all of a sudden this renovation begins to happen, this metamorphosis begins to happen, and at the end of that street we have a thing called life and peace. Hallelujah. So... How does it all start? Well, with setting your mind. Setting your mind. Aim your mind in the right place. You know, um, God doesn't, uh, God isn't ignoring what you have uh, to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. God knows that. Let's try this out. God knows that, right? God knows that. He knows you got a job. He knows you got family. He knows you got, you know, you got to pay some bills or you got to do this or do that. He knows that you got stuff. He knows the preacher man tries to get you in church every week, constantly. That guy will never leave you alone. So the Lord knows all that. But the problem is we have a tendency to just set our mind on it. And we try to fix everything ourselves and make it all work. And, you know, we got our little day planner and we pull it out and scroll through. And, oh, my gosh, I got to do all that, too. And, uh, and then the preacher wants me to come out today. Oh, my God. <laughs> is 
Doesn't he know we have a life? He totally does. He's trying to help you with it. All right. So, what the Lord says, if you will just set your mind on me, I'll walk you through all that. I'll help you through all In fact, that thing that takes you, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, I can bring her down to 20 minutes. That thing right there that takes you a month to get done, I can get her done in a week. That thing right there that seems to hang you up here won't hang you up no more. The thing that seems to uh, pull you back won't pull you back no more. Why? Because he knows what he's doing. So he says, set your mind. Aim your mind on things above. Amen. Put your mind in his word and find out who you really are. Find out what you have. Amen. You know, today we talked in the offering time and, and maybe spent a few extra minutes on that today. But, you know, sometimes just a, a way of thinking. We don't even realize how we limit God because of, of a, just a little, a little tweak in our thinking. We just kind of turn that baby back like it belongs, like it should. All of a sudden things open up. And now all of a sudden all that stuff he talked about in there begins to happen. And you go, how did all that happen? Just the same way he says it always happens. But what happens in the meantime, we're too busy setting our attention down on natural things. And the whole time God says, set your mind up here and let me show you how it's done. Still with me? Hallelujah. I think there's way too much straining and struggling going on in the church. I said too much straining and struggling going on in the church. Get this. You never live beyond your most predominant thoughts. So whatever you set your mind on on a continual basis, I guarantee you that's what manifests. Okay? And that's what he's talking about there in Romans. Okay, let's put it back in Romans 8 and put, uh, let's see, it's a verse 7 now. Put that up there. It says, to be carnally minded is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. In other words, the mind that is always set on natural things, it wars with God. That word enmity means to war with God. Amen. Uh, is it uh, frailing? Is that what frailing means to thrash? I think is what it is. I think that's the right word. If I said it wrong, I apologize. But that word literally means to like. What? Well, your mind, when your carnal mind is too busy trying to strain and struggle and think it your own way, and God says, uh, hey, hey, uh, yo, hey, hey. Leave me alone. I'm too busy trying to strain and struggle. Can't God see I'm too busy here? Huh? Right? That's what it means, enmity. Okay? Yeah, brother, see, I can relate. Amen. Hallelujah. So the carnal mind wars against God or is enmity against God. And it says, for it is not subject to the law of God or the ways of God or the principles of God, nor indeed can it be. Because you're too busy fighting with what he's trying to do. So he just says, literally says, where you aim your mind determines where you're going to go, where you're going to live, how you're going to conduct life, how you're going to talk. Come on. i got to work out today. Look at your neighbor and say, get your mind on the right stuff. Come on now. Now, let's, uh, let's look at a verse here. 
Matthew 16. Let's go ahead and put that one up there, Kelly. And uh, I'll probably, believe it or not, this would be my last verse. And then we're going to do communion, okay? All right. But I'm not done yet. All right. All right. Just thought I'd tell you that. All right. Anyway, Matthew 16, verse 23 says this. Um, Jesus now, of course, turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, that is not a refrigerator verse for nobody. Right? You think, well, geez, that was mean. I mean, why would Jesus say that to Peter? He says, you're an offense to me. For you are not mindful. Literally means, to, again, same word, to set the mind. You have set your mind. Look at this. Or pardon me, in this case, you have not set your mind on the things of God, but you have set your mind on the things of men. You think, well, Jesus, that was a little rude, being mean to Peter like that. He was trying. Right? I mean, Peter just got a pat on the back for saying something right. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Woo! Way to go, Peter! Then Jesus starts saying, talking about laying down his life and dying on the third day being raised up again. And Peter goes, whoa. Not so, Lord. We won't let that happen. And that's when he said, get behind me, Satan. Somebody said, well... You know, he didn't mean any harm by it. No, but your mind's on natural things instead of spiritual things. And you just got done calling him the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, and now you're going to argue with him? Right? But the point is, when your mind, see, he explains it. Your mind is on natural things. See, you just heard, I'm leaving and I'm going to die, and you didn't hear the rest of it. I'm going to be raised up. You know, Peter's thinking, man, right now everything's going good. Everywhere we go, man, we can, we can feed thousands with a few fish and a few loaves and people getting healed, getting delivered, getting set free. And now you're talking about dying, dude. Not so, right? Remember later on he said, you know, I'll even die for you. How many know he lied? Actually, I don't know. Is it classified as a lie? Mm. I think it just comes down to the word says that your, your flesh is weak. Amen? And so what happens is in a weak moment, we have a tendency to yield to something. And uh, that happens. So I think in his heart of hearts, I think he, he wanted to do what's right. He wanted to stand his ground. You know, and no different than you or me. But it still comes down to this. If you don't ever set your mind on things above, when the pressure's on, you're going to cave every time. They just got out, and in that moment there, they just got out of the garden. He said, you couldn't even pray with me for one hour? Dude, you're all falling asleep on me. What's the deal? I, I'm trying to tell you, you, gotta, you better get with it. Something's about to shift and change here in a few minutes. It'd be good for you to be kind of up spiritually right now. I could use a little... Agreement here right now. A little support here, please, right? Come on, right? But he didn't, and as a result, he caved. And they all caved. It wasn't just Peter. They all caved. And uh, Jesus gives an example. It really shows the reason for it. It's because we set our mind on the wrong things. We don't set our mind on the right things. So what happens is we have a tendency now to live or conduct according to what we set our minds on. 
And that's never changed. And it never will change. So what we set our minds on determines where we're going. Where is your mind aimed? What are you thinking on? You know, I think of, uh, you know, just things like, you know, we're, you know, we're, we have, we've been given the victory. Uh, he leads us in all triumph. So he says, well, I don't feel real victorious. I don't feel triumphant. The word says you're a world overcome. I don't feel like I'm overcoming anything. You're more than a conqueror. I know for a fact I ain't conquering anything. But he says if you will just start setting your mind on that, it starts a renovation that's by the Spirit. It's a process, but it's by the Spirit. And pretty soon you start going, hey, wait a minute. I'm an overcomer. Huh. I'm a conqueror. I'm victorious. Pretty soon you get the strut. Right? I'm triumphant. Pretty soon the enemy puts up his ugly head again. He goes, I'm taking you down. No, you're not. Because I'm the overcomer. Not you. I'm the conqueror. You're going down. Now somebody says, I, I wish I... I wish I could talk that way right now. I wish I could think like, listen, it's just, it just takes a little time. But if you'll just start putting your face and your, uh, your mind, hallelujah, aim it at the word of God. Begin to, amen, grab hold of what it says in there about you. Pretty soon the renovation begins and it ain't long and that metamorphosis begins to manifest. But you got to be willing because that's your part. Your part is not the metamorphosis. Your part is not even the, really is not even the, the renovation. Your part is to aim your mind. If you will aim your mind, he'll take it from there. Okay? But you have to be willing to aim your mind at the right thing. I better clarify that. Amen? You believe that? Did you get something? Smile or big at your neighbor and say, let's aim our mind right. Come on now. All right, praise the Lord. Give me my ushers up here. We're going to take communion today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians. So give me my ushers. And uh, I want my ushers. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and start passing out the elements. And I want to read something to you before we do it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The word says this, this is, what, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth and about what Jesus had said. Verse 23, it says this in, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, and as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often, everybody say as often, as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, it says you proclaim or declare or speak of or show the Lord's death. In other words, the price that was paid. Amen. 
And it says, till he comes. All right? So it says, as often as you're doing this, what you're doing is you're proclaiming the price that he's paid for you. How many know he paid a price for you? All right? Then it goes on, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup in an unworthy manner. And all that means is irreverent. That's all it means. So don't be irreverent about what we're doing here. All right? Understand the importance of it. It says then uh, that person that does it you know, irreverently will be guilty of the body and the blood. Now, we don't want nobody to be that. Come on now. But let every man examine himself, and so let, each, uh, let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Praise God. Amen. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks, and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, the reason I read that part, because I've had people say, well, I'm not really worthy to partake. Do you know Jesus? Then you're worthy to partake. All right. All he says, don't be irreverent about it. Because in the context of uh, 1 Corinthians there, well, dealing with the Corinthian church, they were being irreverent about it. They completely lost sight of what it represented, what it meant. Are you still with me? We're not going to do that. So in that thing, in fact, uh, did you all get this? I know we have little bitty kind of funky looking little cups now, nowadays. So it's a little too, too deal here. So, of course, being on the top, you know, you got your little piece of bread there, your un unleavened bread, right? It's a cracker. Whatever. Kind of a deal. Uh, right? And inside there, the cup, right? Representing, uh, you know, represents the body, represents uh, the blood, right? And uh, um, basically, he just says, you know, as you do this, just understand why you're doing it, all right? So a price was paid for you, right? The Word says He bore our sickness, carried our diseases, amen? The Word says that by His stripes, talking about what, what He bore on His body, by His stripes you were healed, amen? So part of this, in fact, the other day um, uh, was Wednesday night, come in here, and, and the enemy hit me with something, and I had to walk back out, go get my healing. Come on, somebody. And so I walked and first prayed, make a, my declarations, took a stand, and I knew in my heart, go take communion. I walked from there, from my office, while everybody's out here praising and worshiping, and I walked into the prayer room, and I partook of communion. Took my stand. Why? Because I'm healed. Price was paid for my healing. All right? And by the way, came back in here whole. All right? Now, so there's something to be said about that. Uh, as often as you take communion, the Word says you do it, you know, right? As unto Him, Right? So it doesn't matter. The Word says you can, uh, you, as, as often as you do it. Uh, I partake of communion at least once a week, um, depending on like, deals like that. It's going to be more. All right? So it ain't just when we have it here. You know, anybody's welcome to walk in that prayer room, take a few minutes, and take communion if you want to. All right? Or whatever. Take a, you know, do it at home or whatever. Okay? But as often as you do it, when you do it, amen, we recognize that the body... Amen. It's for my healing, for my wholeness, for soundness of body. Amen. And mind. Amen. Amen. He bore stripes. Amen. So I could walk whole. The cup represents, it says, the new covenant, the blood of the covenant, a new covenant, a better covenant, the word says, established on better promises. Amen. In this, representing a new covenant in Christ. When you put these two together and do it as unto Him, praise God, all the benefits that are in that word are yours. And all He's asking is why you partake, receive. Right? Still with me? You know, there was a group of His disciples. They were all together and they all thought this was, you know, they're 
partaken of, uh, you know, the, the Passover. And this really is all about, you know, the Passover was a type and a shadow of what was to come in Christ. And so they're doing all this. And he's talking about uh, his body and his blood. And, and the majority of them got all freaked out and weirded out by it. And they all got up and left. And so he turned to the 12 and he says, you want to go too? And they go, well, no, man. I mean, where else are we going to go? Good, good answer. There you go, right? So the point is, some people maybe don't understand, but the, when you understand what it's about, it makes sense. Amen. It all, it represents wholeness in every area of your life based on what Christ has done. And as often as we do this, we receive, amen. We not only proclaim what He's done, we receive all that He's provided for us, praise God. Can I hear a big amen in here? Amen. Amen. So together, let's go ahead and partake. Praise God. We'll first take the body. Praise God. Father, we give you praise and glory for it. We receive the work of the body and what, what, what we get from that, Lord, wholeness in every realm. We give you the praise and the glory for it because by your stripes we were healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. And as often as we drink this cup, hallelujah, we proclaim, hallelujah, hallelujah, the new covenant. We proclaim Hallelujah. We proclaim, hallelujah, the price paid, hallelujah, and we receive, hallelujah, all that this offers, all that we have, every promise, yes and amen, praise God, we receive it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you, can you, can you agree with that today? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.